Hey, this is Dan Reeves. I'm the lead pastor of Journey Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Welcome to our podcast. Before we get going, we just want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. We believe that you matter, not only to us, but to Jesus. Our hope is that you find something new and life-giving in Him today. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Hey, so uh, it's so good to see you guys and glad to be here uh, with you. Uh, if uh, you are a guest with us today, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, uh, I see a few new faces in the room, and uh, we're really glad that uh, you've cho- chosen to uh, worship Jesus with you, uh, with alongside of you, excuse me. And uh, that's what we're about here uh, and what we've been doing for a long time, and hope you can join in with us. I do, if you are a guest, uh, either online or with us, I do want to make a quick apology. Today's going to look a little bit different than normal, and so I hope you'll give us a little bit of a pass uh, today. And and uh, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll, you'll know why here in just a second. Um, uh, over the last few weeks, uh, I've been uh, talking with my family, seeking the Lord, and uh, talking with our administrative team, our deacons, our staff. And uh, I'm standing before you today uh, to uh, tell you and announce my transition from a position of lead pastor uh, here at Journey. And uh, so I know that's a, a heavy load to dump on a Sunday morning, but I wanted to get that out of the gate and just tell you uh, right out of the gate. And I want to share a few things with you uh, today. So today will kind of be like the last official message. And so I do want us to spend some time in God's word together. Um, and that's what we, uh, that's the centerpiece of what we do each and every week. And uh, uh, it's, uh, I think, our favorite part of coming together and just seeing what the Lord has to say uh, to us. But before I do, before we get into the passage, which we're going to be in Luke chapter five uh, in just a few minutes. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, but I do want to say just a few things out of the gate. First thing is I want to say thank you. Um, uh, I've, uh, we, we started, uh, uh, I had the privilege of working along so many of you in uh, having a hand in what God was doing through uh, what was at one time a college ministry with about 20 or 30 college students uh, back in 2008. Um, in 2008, um, my wife and family and I, we moved back to Jonesboro and uh, we were able to kind of step into a role uh, of pastoring a, a group of college students. And uh, it was so fun. Uh, it was so, it was so, there's so much joy in that. Many of you are in this room, you were there at those beginnings. Some of you were there before we got there and you were instrumental in, in uh, joining us in that and even bringing us in. And we saw God just do an amazing work uh, through that over the next few months and into the next couple of years to the point where uh, that, that group expanded in number and in depth of the knowledge of the word and the movement of the spirit and allowed us to move onto the campus of Arkansas State University, uh, where we spent uh, three and a half years setting up and tearing down. I was talking to uh, my oldest daughter, Cameron, just earlier and said, like, I mean, for so many years, uh, while we were there, we would get up at five o'clock in the morning with so many of you, uh, load up my truck and a trailer with a bunch of kids stuff uh, for kids' rooms, and we would set that stuff up uh, in the morning, uh, along with uh, sound and all those kind of things, uh, and then tear it down, get home about two o'clock in the afternoon, and there was so much joy and so much love in getting to do that and not just getting to do that because you know works work but getting to do it alongside so many people that love Jesus Um, and over the course of that time we've seen God do uh, amazing works Um, 
Uh, we've seen uh, hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. We've seen um, people raised up to follow Jesus. We've seen uh, marriages healed. We've seen God do unbelievable things and the list could go on and on. Um, we moved to this location uh, several years after that uh, and uh, continue to see God uh, move uh, here. And over that time, you guys have provided for me and my family. Uh, you've cared for us, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of pastors. Uh, I've been doing this uh, for 30 years, and um, I, I know what it can be like. Um, and uh, you guys have uh, provided for us well. And uh, I want to say that I, I really deeply appreciate that. I also want to thank you because, um, you know, I haven't been a perfect pastor, <laughs> you know, but, and, and some of you are like, yeah, I know that. Uh, so it's not, <laughs> that's not a newsflash. Um, I, I have not been a perfect pastor. I haven't been a perfect friend. Uh, I'm not a perfect anything. Um, and I thank you for your patience with me uh, through that. Um, what I will say uh, is through that, that my heart has always been to love you well and to serve you well and to love God's word uh, and to, to love what he's doing through you. And so I, I've enjoyed and I've been so grateful to be able to, to serve in that capacity for the time that the Lord has had us uh, here to be able to do that. Um, I do think, you know, I mean, there's there, obviously um, I was, uh, I've got some stuff I'm going to share. And so I'm, I've got a lot of jumbled thoughts. And so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I do want to kind of make a statement uh, like, you know, we, because we, some of y'all are wondering, like, well, I thought we were doing a sermon series through men, women, and the kingdom of God. And we were. Uh, and we stopped because I realized uh, through that that, you know, as I'm not a perfect pastor, I haven't made some mistakes. Um, and one of them was uh, kind of diving into that the way that we did. Uh, my hope um, was that uh, as we looked at scripture, we could have a conversation around those, uh, around those scriptures. You know, I mean, I have a confirmed conviction, um, which I've outlined a little bit through the Q&A and, and through some other stuff that I do believe in complementarity without hierarchy, which means that I believe in mutual submission in marriage where a husband and a wife are both called uh, to submit uh, out of reverence for Christ. I do believe in gifts-based ministry within the church, meaning that I believe that God can call men and women and gift men and women as he so chooses to lead in the family of God. Um, and, you know, I, I was eager to be able to have that conversation and look at the scriptures and come around that together. And uh, I kind of misjudged that. Um, and that's nobody's fault. Um, I want you to know I'm not angry about that. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I just want us to be able to come back to the word. And so I, for that, I apologize. Uh, I apologize for... Um, uh, diving into maybe in a way that wasn't productive. And, uh, uh, but uh, this is a lot bigger than that. Uh, this is about where the Lord is calling us and uh, it does not come lightly. Um, and I want you to know that uh, I love all of you. Um, we don't have to agree about everything in order for God to hold us together. And, uh, and so we want to come underneath that and join in the spirit uh, together. And so I want you to know that I lo we, we love you, um, all of you. Uh, I also want to say uh, I've been really blown away by um, how many of you have reached out to us and just been so encouraging over the last few weeks and um, uh, sharing what the Lord's teaching you and uh, how the Lord's edifying you and, and, and uh, solidifying your faith. And, and so my hope is that uh, today in, in going through this, that uh, if, you're, if, you've, if you're disillusioned, uh, don't be okay. Uh, if you're angry, don't be. If you're if you're sad, I understand. I mean, uh, anytime there's a transition, uh, there, there's a, a certain level of sadness uh, and grief that has to take place. 
But uh, as we're told, and uh, I say this at every, um, every event, uh, I mean, whether it's uh, uh, any kind of transition is that we have hope of Jesus. He's an anchor for our soul. And so uh, we're joined uh, by that. And so uh, I, I do want this to be encouraging. And so uh, um, at the end of the day, especially want to thank all of you that have taken time to, to do just that and uh, have taken time to dig into the word. Uh, it's been really a joy. Um, I do want to share uh, in context uh, from Luke chapter 5 today. Um, and so I'm going to, if you'll allow me, uh, I would like to go through this passage and just make a few points because I think uh, it grounds us and brings us back to the center. Um, I do want to say that um, this is not about me. Uh, this service today uh, is not about me. Um, <clears throat> nothing we do here is about me. I've never wanted that to be the case. Um, and uh, it's, uh, but I also want to say it's not about you either, okay? Uh, can we all just agree on that? It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And so I wanted to spend some time um, looking at uh, an episode from the gospel and us just to look at Jesus one more time together um, where we're able to see um, what Jesus, uh, how he interacted uh, with his people uh, and how he, uh, maybe what he would want to say to us. And so I'm going to throw the scripture up here on the screen. Uh, we'll walk through it uh, together. One day, <clears throat> excuse me, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into the, one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people uh, from the boat. Now, um, there's so many things. I'm not going to uh, make every point that I would normally make. But I did want to, uh, there's a few things in this passage that spoke to me. And I think it speaks to uh, where we are. Uh, it's interesting the way that the, the stage is set for this passage. Um, you know, uh, you've got, a, got some guys, they've been laboring all day uh, and they're uh, at the end of their work day. I don't know how you feel at the end of your work day. <laughs> you know, uh, typically it's kind of like, okay, I'm done. I've had all the conversations. I've answered all the emails. Uh, uh, if you're uh, in, uh, you do manual labor, you're like, okay, you've got, you're covered in dirt or oil or, or whatever that is. Uh, uh, if you're a, a teacher, you've had kids uh, that you've been trying to corral all day, you know, all the stuff that all of us do when we get to the end of the work day. And it's typically not the place where we interact with Jesus, right? Usually that's, we don't wanna interact with anybody. Uh, we wanna just uh, disengage um, from uh, everything, disengage from our thoughts. Uh, but it's interesting that where Jesus uh, interacts with uh, Simon Peter uh, and these first disciples, that he meets them when they're tired. Uh, when they in their mind would think, uh, I'm finished for the day, I'm done. Um, but in essence, what happens is when, when you're finished, I just want you to know that Jesus isn't. Uh, when you're finished, Jesus isn't. Uh, when you're tired, Jesus is just getting started. Um, we just sang a song about him being the ancient of days and um, uh, how he was the one who was and is and is to come. Uh, I, I take a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of joy in the fact that I don't have to be perfect because he is. I don't have to be uh, anything because he's everything. Um, uh, we don't have to uh, have all the strength because he is strength uh, for us. Uh, we don't have to have all the answers because he is the answer. He is, we don't have to know the way because he is the way. And so if you're at the end of your rope today, I, I just want to announce to you that there's hope. If you're tired with life, if you're tired with religion, if you're tired of people, 
just know this, that Jesus is, uh, is there and you don't have to have it all because uh, he uh, is not finished. Uh, he's still at work. And even in a transition, sometimes it feels like because you're turning the page in a chapter on something, sometimes it feels like it's finished and it's not finished. Um, when we first started uh, the journey uh, years ago, um, we were not trying to do some new cool thing. We were trying to establish a place where it would be an outpost for the kingdom of God for generations, um, for 50 to 100 to 150 years. Um, and so uh, this is not about something being finished. This is about a new chapter. And so when Jesus gets into the boat, the thing we have to know is that when Jesus gets into our boat, he connects your story to his story. That this story is not about me, it's not about you, it's not about journey, as I said, this is about his story. And, and, and we get the context of his story even in this passage uh, because as we like to read uh, scripture in context, if you back up into Luke chapter four just a bit, uh, it tells us what Jesus' story was. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. Jesus, uh, in the three years we have record of his, uh, of his life, uh, he was very, uh, uh, very, uh, uh, very much on the move. I mean, very much was he moving from town to town. Uh, uh, the, the gospel story is one of movement. It, it, it's one of um, Jesus on mission, uh, his people on mission to get to people, uh, to get the good news to people. Um, and so the gospel for us is uh, about the fact that uh, the king of all creation has come near. Uh, and people need to know that. Um, and uh, that doesn't typically happen by everybody staying in one location. And so what did Jesus do? He moved from town to town. He moved in different places. He, matter of fact, he said, this is exactly why I was sent. I wasn't sent, uh, sent to establish a, a nice tranquil place for everybody to come. I was, uh, I was sent to go to where they are. And so when, when he hops into Simon's boat that day, uh, Simon wasn't thinking about any of that. Uh, he didn't know uh, Luke chapter four, perhaps. He didn't know what Jesus had said, that he was going to go to all these towns. But on that day, at the end of Peter's day, he hops in his boat and he says, you know, your story has now been found its shape in my story. And that's true for all of us. Um, I know this to be, a, be true that uh, you're not gonna live in this room for the rest of the week. Um, you're gonna get out of this room in here in just a little while and you're gonna go back and you've got decisions to make, bills to pay, you've got uh, work to do, you've got family um, to be with and uh, to live life with. And that's the essence of what this is and of what God has called us all to do is to move from one location to uh, adjoin our stories to his story so that we can move from town to town, from place to place, so that others can know this good news, this Jesus and all that he means. And in doing that, obviously, uh, when you go somewhere, that means you leave somewhere. Uh, I, I have to imagine what it would have been like uh, for the people to be close to Jesus even. And uh, I've thought about this from time to time, like, you know, if, if uh, you know, you wonder why people followed Jesus everywhere, it's because, you know, because they were changed by Jesus. And I, I, you got to believe that they wanted him to stay, you know, like that. Hey, why don't you just stay right here? And, uh, and because he was moving, they moved. And here's the thing is that in all of our lives, Jesus is moving and we follow him where he moves. 
And on that day, he hopped into the boat with Peter and Peter's whole life was about to change because um, his story now found its shape in his story. But there's a lot of other things happened in the boat that day. Um, it wasn't just uh, that he hopped in the boat uh, with Peter and um, that was it. Uh, a lot of other things happened. Matter of fact, in verse four, tells us that when he had finished speaking, he had been talking to the crowd, right? And he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus gets in your boat, the first thing that I wanted to share with you is this. And it shouldn't be a, a big announcement. When he gets in the boat, he's in charge, right? Uh, he's in charge. Um, and you got to know that um, some people will paint faith in, in a walk with Jesus, just like Jesus is uh, kind of your, uh, you know, uh, he's kind of a sage. Uh, he's a teacher. Um, he, he is that. Uh, people say, well, he's my friend. And he definitely is that. Um, he's a counselor. Yeah, he's, he's totally that. He's all those things. But don't mistake the fact that he's your friend and he's your counselor for the idea that he's not in charge. And in all of our lives, when he gets into our life and our story gets aligned with his story, he's the one who gets to tell us where to go and what to do. Um, this is his church. We are his people. And you have been bought with a price as, I, as, I, as have I. And so what that means is that he's the one that's in charge. And when somebody else takes charge of your life, um, it begins to confront some things in us. And I think that's what happened in the boat that day with Peter. You see, when Jesus gets in the boat, he begins to confront your understanding. He begins to change the way that you think about things and what you think is right and what's wrong and how you understand uh, how you do what you do. And on that day, he tells Peter to go back out into the deep water. I mean, uh, he was finished. Remember, they're finished for the day. They've already cleaned their nets, put their nets up. They were pulling the boats in. They were ready probably to go get a little dinner. Uh, the sun was probably getting ready to go down, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And they'd had a hard day that wasn't really productive. And Jesus tells them to go back out into the water um, and without getting into all the, the fishing details and all that kind of stuff, because I think that's a little bit not important today. But uh, the essence of it is this, is that this confounded and confronted their misunderstanding. But Jesus does that, doesn't he, when he's in charge? Uh, he takes our understanding of things and through his knowledge, through his power, through his wisdom, he begins to change the way that we see things. And that's in essence what it means to be transformed. I think that's what Paul talks about when he talks about taking off the old man and putting on the new man. I think it's what he talks about in Romans 12 when he talks about don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says that when you do that, when you give your body and your mind to God, that he will actually give you the ability to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, and so this, this process of being in the boat with Jesus, when Jesus is in the charge, is a lifelong um, episode, if you will, series, episode after episode in the series of your life of Jesus confronting our thoughts and reshaping and making us new in the attitude of our minds that was created to be like Christ in true righteousness and holiness. And that's what was beginning to happen with Peter that day. And it happened is simply not with some deep theological thing. It was simply the fact that like, you think that it should happen like this and I think it should happen like this. 
And at the end of the day, it comes down to the question, if Jesus is in charge and he's going to confront my understanding, the question is going to be, will we be obedient when he tells us to be obedient with what he says? What you have in the passage is they did exactly what Jesus says. So because you said it makes no sense, but because you said it, we'll do it. Uh, it goes against all logic. Um, we could do it a totally different way, but we're going to throw the nets out because you said it. And when that occurred, some things happen when people are obedient. When you're obedient, something happens in you, but it doesn't just stay contained to you. It doesn't stay contained to me. It actually extends to others around you. And that's what exactly happened in verse six. In verse six, it says, when they had done so, there's the obedience piece. After they had done what Jesus said to do, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats. So they so full that they began to sink. Uh, the thing that's tucked away in here, I think that we skip over a lot. I mean, I've skipped over this part of the passage, but it, it just jumps off to me, off the page to me in this story is that when you're obedient, certainly something happens in you, which we'll get to. But what you see first happen in them is that your obedience includes and affects others. Um, these other people, these other guys in the boats, they were not within earshot of the conversation of what Jesus was talking about directly with, uh, with Peter. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that <clears throat> all this happened after the sermon, you know, after the sermon. The sermon was at the, at the uh, edge of the lake, right? And he's talking to all these people. Uh, and uh, I, I believe in sermons. You know, y'all should know that. Y'all have listened to uh, long ones, <laughs> right, uh, from me. So uh, if there's ever a doubt whether I believe in sermons, uh, that's not, uh, that's probably not accurate. Uh, matter of fact, I asked Veronica a couple weeks ago, I said, how many, how many sermons do you think I've preached at Journey? And she's like, I don't know, a lot. And I said, yeah, a lot. And so I, I, I went, I said, oh, I'm kind of curious. And so I went back, this is me. I said, how weird I am. I wonder how many pre sermons I preached. I preached right at 500 sermons at Journey. Um, and uh, I look back at that. I'm like, well, that's, that's a lot of sermons, you know, for anybody that, that that's all those type of things. And so it's important, right? And the reason it's important because every word that God has spoken is authoritative. Uh, scripture is a lamp unto a feet, our feet. It's a lot to our path. Matter of fact, uh, scripture says you can't even have faith without God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Um, every word is God breathed, God soaked, you know, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, training and righteousness and all those type of things. It's a mirror for us, you know, over and over and over again. It's, the, it's, it's what God has revealed to us. But here's the thing, as, as important as sermons are, as powerful as sermons are, and I've built my life and my profession in large part around sermons, that what you see happen in the boat that day and what God wants to do, and I think this has been true in my own life, is a lot of what God teaches you. And I would be willing to say most of what God ha has to teach us happens after the sermon. It happens when you're face to face with Jesus. It happens when you're interacting with Jesus. It happens when you're opening God's word for yourself and you're face to face with Jesus. Because then when you're actually with Jesus and God is actually speaking to you and the spirit begins to illuminate what God has said and he begins to transform your mind to the thoughts, the very thoughts of God. 
when you become obedient to that, and when I become obedient to that, it doesn't just stay with you. It, it begins to extend out and it begins to affect and include other people. And on that day, Peter called everybody open, over to experience what his obedience and faith in Jesus' power had caused. But that's not all that happened. It actually did something and solidified something in all of them that day. And I think it started with Peter because obedience doesn't just include others, but it also is the place where your own personal faith is built. Uh, I would say that life is a series of hard decisions. Anybody, you may want to say amen to that. <laughs> amen. Yeah, well, it's a series of hard decisions. And the hard decisions in front of you the faith that it takes to make the hard decisions in front of you are built on the foundations of the obedience behind you. The reason that you can have faith to move into the next season and the reason that I can have faith to do what God's calling me to do is because I've seen him work in the past. I, I've seen his power. Uh, I saw his power as a, as a young kid when he saved me. I saw his power when I was discipled in junior high and high school I saw his power when I was in college and wrestling with my faith and what I really believed. And uh, I saw his power when um, I left the job and went and pastored a church in a small town um, and, and uprooted my family and moved there. And I, I saw his power when we moved back and I saw his power when um, he saved my kids and I, I have seen his power in you. And over and over again, we've seen his power. And that's what gives us confidence that if he's done that in the past, he can do that in the future. And God has to give us those things. Um, he has to give us actual physical, tangible things because this is what we're talking about here is not propositional faith. Um, following Jesus is not just um, checking the boxes of belief. It's not just saying, I believe these things to be true and therefore I'm right. This is about engaging with the God that has come in the flesh and him challenging those things in us to the point that he actually begins to build and transform our faith because he has things for every single one of us to do in the future. And so that's the place your faith is built. Simple obedience on your job, when you're tired, when it makes no sense to do the next right thing in front of you. And the next right thing is always obedience to what Jesus has said. And so if you follow the story out, um, there's about three more verses. If you follow the story out, it says that when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. You see what happened? The response wasn't just that he was emboldened to have faith, Peter, but what actually began to happen was something began to churn inside of him. And I think what happened here is what happens with all of us in the process of faith, that when we engage Jesus on a very real level, when we actually engage Jesus on a very real level, he begins to confront our doubts and he begins to confront our questions about who he is. Um, one thing that Journey, I think, has always been about, I hope it's always been about, has been asking good questions. Um, uh, we've said that for a decade, that it's, it's not bad to ask questions, to be a place where it's safe to ask questions about God, because that's the place where I think that we actually meet God. 
It's the place where God actually begins to confront our doubts. It's the place where he begins to confront our misconceptions and our questions about who he is. And he begins to inform those things. And so I hope that you take with you whatever into the future, I hope that you take with you the freedom to ask those questions about God because I believe that he wants to confront those things because every single one of us in this room, we don't have it all figured out. Uh, None of us in this room, me included, have perfect theology. Um, None of us have perfect understanding. None of us have perfect perspective. And that's why we continually to run back to God's word. And every time we run back to God's word and we consistently do it day after day, year after year, decade after decade, the beauty is that you can be 70 years old. If you're 70, raise your hand in the room, all right? He's still confronting things, isn't he? (laughs) He's still changing things. None of us have arrived. And on that day, Peter got the first taste of what it was like to be confronted with Jesus. Who is this man? What does it mean that he's in the boat with me? What does it mean for my life? What does it mean for my livelihood? What does it mean for my understanding of God? I mean, it wasn't as if he had not had ideas about God. He was trained. He was a Jew. He he had thoughts about who God was. And God began to confront those questions, confront those doubts. But when he confronts doubts, it doesn't just stay on an intellectual level. You see what happened. This was the very place where Peter's true self was revealed. You see, I I think the thing is, is that when we're actually confronted with our doubts and questions, there's a natural humility that ensues. Uh, There's a place where we come and we say, you know what, I need to bow before God. And I realize, I I think of Isaiah in the Old Testament where he saw the vision of God and uh, his response was, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And every time you're confronted with the magnificence and the holiness and the righteousness and the grace of God, the natural response is worship. It's always to bow before God. It's always a movement down the ladder, you know, with God. It's not an elevation of self. it's It's a lowering of self. And this is the place where his true self was revealed. And here's the thing, the first step to freedom for all of us is to realize in humility who we really are in our need before Jesus and to confess our sin before him. And that without his interaction with us, without his getting into the boat with us, there is no hope. And the beauty of it is that when we come in our questions and our doubts and all those type of things, and when we come with him with our true self and we're actually have the freedom for the first time maybe to say, I am a sinful person and I need your wisdom and I need your sacrifice and I need your guidance in my life. When I do that, this is the place where our callings are confirmed. And I want you to hear me say this, that every single one of you in this room has a calling, men and women, you have a calling on your life. When you got Jesus and you got the spirit, you just didn't, you didn't get a ticket punch to go somewhere. You didn't just get an Airbnb in the great by and by, okay? You got deposited with something. And Jesus, the spirit, the father is the one who chooses what gift you have. But your gift is not for you. Your gift is for somebody else. And some of you, I I wanna challenge you because some of you are sitting on your gift right now. Some of you are scared to use your gift right now. Some of you are in a place where 
You don't quite know what your gift is. You've never considered that. But I at least want you to know today that God has put a gifting and a calling on your life. And the strength of the church, the edification of church is dependent upon the spirit that God has given you, the gift he's given you to actually become functional within the church so that the church is strengthened. But it's not just about the church. There are people in this world that are, we say this all the time, they're not in the room with you today. They're not in here today. And they're not in any church. They're not in the church up on the hill. They're not the one across the, uh, across the, uh, the highway over here. They're not on the other side of town. They're not anywhere. They're trying to figure life out on their own. They're hurting. They're asking their own questions and they're getting all kinds of culturally wrong answers. Or, and they need Jesus. And your calling was God's gift to them so that they can meet Jesus. And so don't sit on your gift. If you don't know what it is, talk to someone about it, pray over it, um, find a way to put it into action and use it for the good of somebody else. And God promises that he'll continue to build his church out of that. And everywhere his church is built, the world around it gets better. It gets better. And so with Peter that day, you see him asking these questions and being confronted, right? You see this is where he's actually being revealed. And then he gets this calling confirmed, but he didn't quite know it's that yet. But you get that in the very next verse. And this is where we'll end the little talk I got going on up here. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and they followed him. This is where the name journey came from right here. Because the call of Jesus is always a call to follow him and that is a journey, isn't it? Uh, it's to walk along the road with Jesus, the road of your life and my life. And when we're corporately together to follow him where he leads us to go, but he's moving. He's a God on the move. And uh, anytime God's on the move, it, it, it causes some, uh, a little bit of a disturbance, right? And I think that's why the first words that, uh, of the calling were not the calling itself, but it was actually a comment. It was a statement. It was a command. And it was to not be afraid. You see, to follow Jesus means to follow him without fear. It means to follow him without fear. And that doesn't mean that fear is not there. It means that you're not following fear, that you're following Jesus. And every time you move into a new season, you move into a new place, Jesus is going, the first thing you're going to feel is fear. I've certainly felt fear with this transition. Um, I, you know, I, I might seem calm now, but you didn't see me last week and you haven't seen me and driving in my truck and all those kind of things. Uh, uh, every time Jesus has done anything in our life, it's always began with fear. Um, journey, every time we start anything here, it's always had fear at the beginning of it. You know, I can remember the first time we uh, went on ASU and I was wondering who's gonna show up. And uh, I remember when we were like, how are we gonna build a building? And how's that gonna happen? And, you know, series after series, all these different things. Um, and uh, when we follow him, though, there's always a feeling of fear. So here's the thing is, if you, we are addicted to comfort, and that's not an indictment on you, that's a human nature, right? We, we want 
Um, we want our subdivisions or some of us want our lofts, whatever you are, you know, whoever, wherever you find yourself. Uh, we want comfort. We want air conditioning. I want air conditioning. Okay. I want comfort. Um, we gravitate to that. But in the pursuit of following Jesus, sometimes our addiction to comfort confuses us from our calling. Our calling to follow Jesus should always push us out of our comfort zone and put us on the edge where there's something, there's some dissonance, there's some tension. There's something that's pushing us forward to the idea that, okay, man, this, this is putting me out there. And God, if you don't come through, if you don't move, this is not going to happen. This is the loss of control. This is where fear meets reality. And this is where we follow Jesus is we follow him and we choose not to give way to fear, but we follow what his last command was. And that's the way I hope you live your life. That's the way I intend to live mine. Um, and that means that you're gonna have to have an attitude of what I would call abandon. Um, I first came into contact with that word when I was in my 20s. Um, we were having a little house church and uh, uh, a friend of mine, we, we, we started praying together and we were talking about this and uh, this word just kind of started to resonate in our mind. It's like, what does it mean to follow Jesus with abandon? What does it mean to, to do that in our lives? And, and, and you can fill in the blanks of what that means for you. It basically means writing a blank check to Jesus. Like, you know, like God, you're gonna have to take my life and do it. And um, I wanna challenge you today to follow him past the fear and into abandon. That means that if he doesn't come through, if he doesn't come through, then it's just not gonna work. What does that mean for your family? What does it mean for your finances? What does it mean for your faith? What does it mean for your job? How do I follow him with abandon? Don't confuse abandon with uh, uh, stupidity, <laughs> okay? This is not you making up something and putting God's name on it. Um, this is not writing a note and filling in your mom's name, you know, or something like that, put God's name on it. This is not moving until God says it, but when God says it, you move, no matter what the cost is. And then ultimately the calling is rooted in this, and this is where I think we, we land today, that to follow him is to follow him to fish for people. A fish for people. The trajectory of Peter's life changed that day as everyone's life did over the course of the next few years with Jesus and into today, 2000 years later, we're still being changed by this where God takes bankers and lawyers and teachers and parents and uh, coaches. He takes us and he says, now I want you to do that for the kingdom. I want you to do that for those that are around you. And in order to fish for people, you have to be for people. You have to be for them. The world around us today, unfortunately, has got the idea that the church is not for them and that therefore God is not for them. And it's really hard to win someone to faith in someone when they don't think that that someone is for them. And so I think that changes the posture of the conversation and the nature of the conversation because this community needs to know that Jesus is for them. And he's given us the calling to convince them of that. And that doesn't mean that we water down truth. That doesn't mean we capitulate to culture. That just means that we see people the way Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd, 
as people that need to know the hope of the gospel, people that are dead in their sins and trespasses, and they need to be freed. And I think that's why the gospel shares so many stories of people that were uh, commonly left out of the picture. We, we I affectionately call them the outsiders. And Jesus was constantly making the outsiders feel like insiders. And the insiders, he was constantly making them uh, uh, cantankerous, you know. I mean, he would kind of push their buttons and he challenged things. But it all came back to the end of the day of what was the, me- the message. And the message for him was this, that I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And the beauty of this is that he calls all of us to do that together. And so some people have asked me the question, they said, well, Dan, are you leaving ministry? I want you to know I'm not leaving ministry. Uh, I'm following Jesus. Uh, and I will do that wherever he takes me. Uh, I want you to know that I don't do this because I get a paycheck to do it. I mean, I definitely appreciate getting a paycheck, okay? Thank you all for that. Um, but that's not why I did I When I followed, when Jesus got into the boat with me when I was in high school, um, I, I had no thoughts of this day. I had no thoughts of, um, I, I didn't think of houses and mortgages and I, I didn't think of car payments. All I thought was Jesus was calling me to preach the gospel and that was enough. And it's still enough at the end of the day for you and for me. And so um, while we don't have everything mapped out into the future, um, and uh, I think that's probably good because as we transition, all of us just want to set the feet of Jesus and see what he says. But I can promise you this, is that I will be your biggest cheerleader and I will champion the vision that we began with that the church exists to reach people that the church has not yet reached and lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so thank you for letting me be your pastor. I'd love a chance to pray uh, for you one last time, uh, if you'll let me. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for loving us enough uh, to send your son for us. What binds us together, Lord, is not a a building, not a location. it's not methodologies, and uh, Lord, you move us around uh, as your, as, at your will, but you see fit to build into us friendships that become family, and this room has become that for us. And so we are so grateful that you've given us that, uh, that time and the joy of knowing what it means to be able to serve this group of people in your name. Uh, I pray for everyone here, Lord, those that uh, are veterans and have been here for quite some time, Lord, that you would encourage them that you're not finished. For the people that uh, are new here, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw them into your, your vision for their lives and for the lives of this church. I pray, God, for wisdom and discernment uh, as each one of us follows you. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to build our faith in you and to trust you for all that you are. Um, Lord, there's nothing uh, in this that uh, is not good because you're good. Lord, you are able to take uh, difficult things uh, and uh, you're able to take things that are dark and bring light, difficult things. You're able to, to reconcile those things. And uh, for all of us, Lord, that's all we want. We just wanna humbly come before you and love one another well, and we want to love you well. And uh, we want to follow you where you're taking us. And so, Lord, we trust you right now. Um, We trust you. And so I pray over um, this flock of people. Um, I I love the fact that you are the great shepherd. 
um, and we can entrust the great shepherd with his flock. And so um, thank you that your care is with us and that your spirit is leading. I thank you for the leaders that you've put in place here through our time and that they are godly people that love you and love each other. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that you've given them uh, to continue to move uh, this particular local church forward. And I pray, Lord, that you give them courage. And I pray, Lord, that you draw everyone together through the spirit of unity and the the bond of grace. Uh, And that you would help us all to extend grace to one another so that the world would know what it's like to see your people become one, not based on any human definition, Lord, but based on the gospel. So, Lord, we, we love you. And we pray, Lord, you would do a work in us through the power of your spirit, each of us, as we embrace your vision moving forward in all that it means. I thank you for every single person in here. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.